Hi everyone, this is Dr. Cheryl Selman and welcome to The Love Code. It's great having you join me today. You know, this is such a great show for me because I really get to be inspired, uplifted all the time when I have these conversations with amazing people. And that really is the purpose of The Love Code. It's to keep you inspired and uplifted. It's to open you to the healing possibility, to connect you to your soul, to just allow you to understand the spiritual dimension of your life. Because really, in the end, what else is there? And that's why the Love Code really has a very special purpose in the world. So thank you for joining me. I always like to welcome everyone who may be listening for the very first time. It's great having you here with me. If you would like to get the archived versions of my show, you can just either go to my website, which is drcherylselman.com, or you can like me over on my Facebook page, which is What Women Must Know. And that's because What Women Must Know is the name of the other show I do here on Progressive Radio Network, and that's every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. So actually, I have two weekly programs that uh, keep me really busy and keep me totally inspired <laughs> with great people. So uh, if you opt in to uh, my website, Dr. Cheryl Selman, or like me at What Women Must Know, I either will send you the archive shows every week or they get posted on my Facebook every week. And that way you won't have to uh, miss any of these great conversations. Uh, before we jump into my guest today, I do want to make the announcement again that I am organizing a very, very special trip to one of the most amazing countries in the world, and that is Bhutan. So in October, this coming October, the 19th to the 31st, we're going to have 12 days in Bhutan. If you don't know where Bhutan is, you may want to check your map because it's a very small but amazing country between China and India. It's the only true Buddhist country that exists in the world. It has temples that are a thousand years old. It is the only country that is going to be 100% organic. That's part of their goal. Um, it's just a beautiful place with beautiful people, and it has such a spiritual energy there. So just being in this magnificent country is life-changing. So if you'd like to know more information about this very special trip, it's going to be a small group of people, so it's going to have that intimacy about it, then you can either go to um, the travel agent who's working this trip for me, which is cypresshimalaya.com, and get information there, um, or that's probably the place to go, or contact me directly, if you would like, at uh, drs at drcherylselman.com. Oh, there's one other place you can go, and that's the website, takemyclassinbhutan.com. So uh, this 12-day trip is going to immerse ourselves into the culture, the religion, nature, to the spirituality, to the healing. It's going to be quite an amazing experience. It's like one of those trips of a lifetime. And if you're called to this experience, if you're drawn to it, if your soul is saying, yes, I need to go, then for sure contact me and um, I'm happy to send you more information and 
Uh, see if it's the place that you want to adventure in 2020, a year of amazing and profound transformation for all of us. So, okay, I want to jump right in, and we're going to be exploring a sabbatical, finding your best self in life with Shelley Paxton. So, uh, a little bit about Shelley. She is an author, speaker, and transformational coach. She spent 26 years as a highly regarded marketing and advertising executive stewarding some of the world's most iconic brands, including Harley-Davidson, Visa, McDonald's, and AOL. And in 2016, she left the corporate world to become chief sole officer of her life and ultimately her own company. She launched Solbatical with the mission to liberate the souls of leaders and organizations by inspiring them to realize their greatest purpose, possibility, and impact. As a certified professional coach, she works with executives at Fortune 100 companies and with fellow rebel soul individuals and entrepreneurs. Shelley has also trained with some of the top leaders in the world, including Brene Brown, researcher and five-time New York Times best-selling author. And her book is Soulbatical, A Corporate Rebel's Guide to Finding Your Best Life. So, having said that, it's my great pleasure to welcome Shelley to the show today. So, hello and welcome, Shelley. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. And P.S., I'm completely sold in on this trip to Bhutan. <laughs> okay. I think there's a spot for you, Shelley. amazing. Yes. <laughs> sounds incredible. You know, uh, it, it, it is amazing. And I know having read your book, you're, you're such an adventurer and so am I, because I spend a lot of time traveling. In fact, uh, I am off in the beginning of February with a group that I take every year to Costa Rica to work with shaman, and we journey with plant medicines there and have an amazing transformational time. And, and then I've just gotten this call to go to Bhutan. I know people who've been there. They say it's the most extraordinary place in the world on so many levels, and I felt, it's time, it's time. <laughs> so, yes. yeah, so, you know, and I know from reading your book how profound it is when you step into the unknown, because only when you step into the unknown do possibilities appear to to know yourself, to experience the deeper truth of the world, and one's being, but, you you know, you can't do it in the safe known routines, right? So I love being adventure out into the unknown as you do and and so that's what I'm doing this year. So I've organized a couple oh, of amazing I love it. journeys, you know. So we are anyway, souls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think so. I think that's I think that's so true. And um and your story is so fascinating, Shelley. So I I'd like to start off our conversation by having you share a little bit about you and your journey because obviously you started in a very traditional corporate world and something happened to you along the way <laughs> that has totally <laughs> transformed you and your purpose in life. But, you know, it's like needing to go through that, that um, uh, you know, I, I probably I would call it a dark night of a soul at some point. So, so yeah, let's share a little bit about you and your journey that got you to this point in time. Yeah, well, I won't I won't take us too far back in history, but 
you know, suffice it to say that I, um, I, I had what looked like on the outside the all of the trappings of success. You know, if you have sort of the, the checkbox, the checklist of what does traditional success look like, I would have ticked every single one of those boxes. I mean, the brands that you just read off, I've lived all around the world. My career and my own wanderlust have taken me to, I think I'm probably at 65-plus countries, around the world. I've lived in Istanbul and Shanghai and New York City and some of the most fabulous um, cities and countries in the world. And I've just, I've had this incredibly privileged and, and fortunate experience in my life. And yet, 25 years in, I had this real gnawing inside. And, and I didn't understand it because for all the reasons I just spoke about, you know, I kept thinking like, well, wait a second, on paper, I'm the chief marketing officer of Harley Davidson, especially as a marketer, this is like the pinnacle of success. You work for one of the most, you're, you're basically stewarding one of the most iconic brands on the planet. And, you know, the, the brand that people tattoo on their bodies, how could it possibly get better than this? And yet, I would wake up every morning and just feel a little empty inside. In fact, I, I go as far as you know, I go as far in the book as saying I was dying a little bit on the inside and I was starting to realize that I was very out of alignment with my true self and that I was actually living someone else's dream. And that, you know, as I was seeking to kind of create a corporate career that looked different from my dad's corporate career, that looked more like myself, I still wasn't being very true to myself. And about, I was at Harley for about six and a half years in total. And for the last year that I was there, that I love that phrase, the dark night of the soul that you just mentioned, that's when I started having this crazy nightmare that would rip me out of my sleep night after night after night every week for a year. And what I was seeing in this nightmare ended up being a proxy for my soul. And I was seeing my dog who had passed away five or six years before the time I was having this nightmare. And he was alive in a closet, completely malnourished and neglected and dying on the floor. And I would discover him night after night in this closet. And over time and over meditation and over asking for some help, I started to realize that that was my own soul speaking to me, basically saying, acknowledge me, nurture me, love me, feed me. And I realized how out of touch I'd become with myself on this kind of, you know, pursuit to the top and traditional success. And I decided at that point that it was a real awakening that I needed to do some deep soul searching, so to speak, to better understand who I am and what are my soul's deepest fears and deepest desires and what, um, who do I want to be in the world and what impact do I want to have in the world? And those felt like really big, meaty questions. And so I ultimately decided to leave my career three and a half years ago. I didn't know at the time if it was going to be temporary or if it was going to be permanent as it's turned out to be. I've kind of completely reinvented what my career is now, but it's outside of the corporate world. And um, But I was willing to take a chance 
fun myself. I, I really, I, I left on what I now call sabbatical. It's the title of the book. It's the name of my business. But I was, I'll be honest with you, at that moment when I was having the nightmare and I was really wrestling with this decision, do I leave when I'm at the you know, peak of my career in a job people would kill for? Um, and frankly, with a lot of people, including my own family, looking at me like I had lost my mind, um, do I take that? Do I take that chance? And so I, I kind of, I think, in a moment of desperation and maybe a moment of creative marketing, because that's so much of my my past in my world, I christened myself Chief Soul Officer, and I decided I was going off on my sabbatical for a year, and I was just going to stay open to the possibility and really do some um, a fair amount of inner work as I as I traveled. How's that for well, a you know, yeah, <laughs> what a leap into the unknown. So that dream, oh my God, that is such a profound dream. I mean, you're that to me is you know exactly what you said. It's like your soul desperately trying to wake you up to who you are and to who, it, and, and to your was. real purpose I mean, in life. Yeah, the and the irony, right? It literally was tearing me out of my sleep shaking me awake I you know I call sort of things like that it's like I feel like I was getting hit by a two by four to the solar plexus right it was just like oh it like took the wind out of me and I knew that there was a deeper message and that it was my work to understand what is that deeper message and as you know very well um, and as I think the love code kind of just stands for like we really like that's the hard work doing that inner work and really kind of getting in touch with who you are and your soul and your intuition is the work that in our modern day culture most people are running from and the noise is so overwhelming that a lot of times people aren't making the choice to go inside and go deeper and really understand and that was a it was a very scary decision for me to say I'm going to take that leap, not having any idea what it looks like. I knew I wasn't going to be getting paid. So, you know, I had, I had um, parked a little bit of money in a fund, and I just said I'm going to take a chance uh, because the idea of living like this any longer, and frankly, the idea of seeing that nightmare for any, you know, more nights um, just wasn't, it wasn't sustainable. I couldn't do it. It was ripping me to, to shreds, to be honest. And I wasn't healthy in the role that I was in because I was making, I call it, you know, um, soul sacrifices or sacrifices for salary. I was making so many sacrifices for salary that I really needed to get back in touch with, like, what matters most to me? What actually makes a difference? And that those are big questions. So can you just explain a bit more what what actually was happening for you in your position in, in Harley Davidson? What was it that was so soul destroying for you that it really forced you to reevaluate and wake up, so to speak? Well, I think what's interesting is, you know, my story really isn't about Harley specifically. Harley happens to be where I was at that final stage of my corporate career when I kind of hit the top and was asking all of these questions. What, what was soul-destroying for me is the choice to continue to live in a way that wasn't true to myself. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering how how that looks. I mean, and I asked yeah, I'm well, sure there are other people yeah. who relate to the journey you're on. Oh, completely. Yeah. So, I mean, very very specifically, I mean, it was um, it was a challenging culture as a lot of corporate America is today. I mean, you and I have had that conversation, right? It was. Um, you know, I, I started work between probably about 6.30 and 7 o'clock. Most of my meetings started at 7 o'clock in the morning. And because I was the head of global marketing, I was working across every time zone. I had leadership team members and teams in every zone of the world across every region. And so I was starting at 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning and ending around 10 o'clock at night. Um, so I had incredibly, you know, long days, weekend work, a lot of, um, you know, urgent work, a fair amount of travel. And so I kept putting my own needs and even my own self-care and my own health on the back burner because I was like, you know, I had, I'm sure some of your listeners can relate to this too, I had a fair amount of imposter syndrome. And in the beginning of my book, I talk about this worry list that I had and, you know, one of the things that I was really worried about is if I didn't keep just giving my all to my corporate career, that I was going to be exposed, exposed as an imposter, somebody who wasn't worthy of the role that I was in because I didn't necessarily believe in myself every day. So I just got myself really wound up in, in um, putting the company's needs in particular um, and even my team's needs ahead of my own. And so I was really like my soul was neglected. My health was neglected. And in the book, I talk about, you know, different um, moments in my career and in my life where I had some pretty serious health scares. And as I was writing the book and connecting all the dots, I realized that was the universe telling me, hey, girl, you're out of alignment, like, you are not making good choices. You are not being true to you. You're, you know, and I call it shooting all over yourself, which is um, one of the chapters in the book, and it's something that I coach a lot around, where we're telling ourselves, well, I should do this. I should be that. You know, I should go there. I should, 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 right? We're doing that to ourselves constantly. And so I would say, that was a big part of what I was experiencing experiencing in corporate America as well. I was I was shooting all over myself, um, and and I was paying the price for it. You know, it's so interesting being in a work environment. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I actually I have been a psychotherapist in one of my earlier incarnations in this lifetime, <laughs> and uh, what mm-hmm. has always fascinated me is how we carry our wounds into really every environment we're in, whether it's in our relationships or in our work environment. So we generally wind up recreating our our family wounds or, you know, the unresolved issues or the traumas that we've had early in life, most most often with our family, into the mm-hmm. work environment. So, you know, tr- like trying to prove yourself because uh, innately you you know there's this wound that you don't feel okay and then and then the stress the stress that comes from carrying those unresolved wounds and which because when you just put yourself back in a similar theme it stimulates all of that uh, hurt and and then what we do to cover it up right in many ways that we do that absolutely does, 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 do you relate to that does that make any sense to you 
Yeah, I relate to it a lot, and it's it's so interesting because I, I I can tell when you say sort of like cover it up. It's like I was so armored up, right? I was just protecting myself, and I didn't realize like I was operating almost entirely out of my my masculine self, right? I was I was tough, and I was protecting myself and deflecting everything because inside I was. I was, I was, uh, to be honest, I was afraid to look inside. So, you know, and, and I've had to do some of that healing. Um, I've definitely had to do some of that healing and, and, and really face my own trauma and my own fears in working my way through all of this, because as you and I both know, the only way out is through. And so, uh, you know, a lot of my story is is feeling the pain and sitting with the pain and understanding what is the gift in the message of this pain, working through that and then moving on one step after another step after another step. And so, yeah, it resonates because that was exactly my journey. Right. So, so you had, it's almost like this appointed time arrived in your lifetime, this lifetime, where it mm-hmm. was time to wake up to who you really are from that soul place. So then those dreams started happening and the discontent is, it was that the process that made you realize or pushed you <laughs> into, into yeah. your true self. It did. It, it's what I would say it's what, absolutely pushed me into the beginning of that journey. It it took me quite a while in this, um, you know, in this, it's been three and a half years since I left Harley. And I would say I'm still on that journey because I didn't know exactly what it was going to look like. I didn't know what I was going to learn, but that nightmare absolutely was the catalyst to me saying, I can't live this way anymore. And, you know, if, if not now, then when, like, when am I going to get serious about being true to myself? And when, when am I going to understand what it means to be successful? It's one of the concepts I talk about in the book, this idea of, you know, so many of us in the corporate world feeling success empty. And this idea of successful means what is success? What does success look like with fulfillment? And joy. And, and I think I lived for a long, long time thinking those concepts were mutually exclusive. So this was the nudge to say, do you really want to live like this for the rest of your life? Even if everyone in the world thinks you have the coolest job and the sexiest job on the planet, because on paper you do, but you don't feel okay. And there's something missing and dying inside of you. And I finally took that seriously. So, yes, that was absolutely – I was going to call it a nudge, and then I thought, no, your words were more accurate. It was was a complete, like, push off the cliff. (laughs) That's more accurate. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, it's it's really um, waking up to the true purpose of what this lifetime is about. And our culture conditions us that it's um, a good job and benefits and good salary and looking cool and traveling and that we get we get lured into those um seductions right and and it's not yes. that we can't have a fulfilling prosperous life but it needs to come from the right uh, connection within us i guess you would say 
Yeah, I, I believe that 100%. And I think what's important for all of us to recognize and anyone listening to this is that's going to look very different for each and every one of us. And I think this traditional script and this traditional model of what success looks like and what are those things on the checklist would have us believe that it's cookie cutter that we all want the same things, that we are all, that we are all here on, on this earth in this lifetime for the same reasons. And that couldn't be further from the truth. So I think it's getting really honest with ourselves about what does, what does fulfillment mean to me? What is my purpose, you know, in this lifetime? What impact do I want to have? And, you know, those are big, scary questions, as we've talked about. Yeah, you know, and, you know, once you make the leap, it's like a blinding flash of the obvious, right? Because so much opens up. <laughs> yes. Right? I mean, I, 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 I remembered how terrified I was when I was leaving my relationship, right? So I was getting divorced, and I was, you know, I was like, oh, my God, I, you know, I'm going to face this world on my own, and um, what do I do? And it's like standing on the edge of a cliff. And I, I, I remember how terrified I was. Like I had lost myself through this process, and here I am about to, you know, venture out into the world on my own. And it, it had, I had such anxiety attacks about this. And once I did take that step, and I did jump off the cliff, a world of so many fantastic opportunities and possibilities opened up to me that I could not have imagined beforehand. Oh, such truth. And you've just described my my journey as well. And I think it is that, I mean, leap of faith always sounds so cliche. I think it is overused. Um, but there's truth in that. And I, the, the uh, metaphor that I use in the book is I talk about, like, if I was just willing, like a trapeze artist, to be suspended for a brief moment in time in midair between, you know, releasing my grip on one of the rungs as the next swing is, like, coming into view, but I can't quite grasp it, that's where the magic happens. Yes. And, 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 it, and you it can, is, and you can grasp that. You can't grasp that other that other swing until you let go. Exactly. And that is exactly and it is only at that moment where you're literally suspended in midair that the doors start to open and the magic happens and so many things like you said are revealed that we couldn't possibly see in the moment before when our hand was still clinging to that other swing. Yeah. And there's so much truth in that, and yet it, it it is hard. And I think a lot of, I coach a lot of my clients around having that belief in self because that's so, you know, I think it's belief in source, whatever your beliefs are, belief in the universe, belief in God, belief in whatever your um, belief is, and belief in self, which I think is almost the more difficult one for so many people to say, I believe in me, and I'm going to take a chance on me. Um, it feels edgy, and it also feels, to some people, it feels very selfish. And my view of that is that that's not selfish at all. When you believe in yourself, you start to get in touch with your higher self, your greatest self, and you can share more of your gifts with the world. To me, it's actually the most ex a beautiful expression of self in the world um, that we could give. Right. 
You know, I also want to say that uh, I, I'm really grateful to my ex because um, with, without that whole process going on, I mean, I, I, you know, there's so much waiting for us, but if we're kept in an environment, you know, like you were trapped by, you know, Harley for a while, <laughs> you're your own making, yeah. of course, and we get trapped in relationships the shackles with the of security. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, and uh, you know, I'm so grateful to have been forced out of the nest, so to speak. And 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 by the way, my relationship with my ex is like the best it's ever been, and he's in my life and my best friend and mentor and guide. And you know, it's that I haven't lost that relationship, but it actually has, uh, you know, transformed into something even better, which I didn't know if that would ever be possible. Right? You don't know. You take a risk. Yeah, but you, you got it. But 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 you know you can't stay where you are because cause you you just shrivel up. There's you know there's too much pain staying where you are. Yeah, it's it's very true. And there there's a there's a why well, I I agree entirely. My my divorce um, while there are it was an absolute gift in terms of the lessons for me and in terms of how I thought about my my future. Um, it looked different and it's going to look very different for all of us. But it was painful, and yet there were so many gifts in there that I've taken forward into my, my life today and how I'm choosing to create my life today. Um, but you, what, what you just said sparked in me a question that I always ask um, my clients who are stuck. And the question, which might be helpful to some of your listeners, is if, if you're living your life the same way you are today in three five or ten years from now, are you moving closer to who you want to become or further away? Yeah. Yes. And Good that question. one gets Good me every time. I know. Mm -hmm. It's a really yeah. powerful one. And I asked, I remember the first time somebody asked me that, and now I use it in my work a lot. I put it in the book as well. Um, there's quite, as you know, there's quite a, uh, there's a fair amount of reflection in the book. So I not only take readers on my own journey, so you, you hear, you listen to my story, you're reading my story, but I'm asking you to actively reflect on your own life's journey and your own story and kind of your own truth, if you will, um, at, at um, many points throughout the book. And that's an example of one of the questions that, you know, just it takes some time, really soak that in and sit with it. Um, but that's, it's a, it's a wake up call to be honest with ourselves. And that is, you know, that's one of the, uh, the codes of a chief soul officer, as I say, I think one of our, one of our main um rallying cries is authenticity is the truest form of rebellion. I've always been a re rebel against something, and now I want to rebel for, and the things I'm rebelling for are authenticity and courage and purpose, and um, I would love to see, you know, so many others in the world doing the same. So what do you see as your purpose now? Ooh, I'm on a I'm on a mission, as you know. <laughs> so I see I, I what, what has become clear to me on this journey that I've been on is that my purpose is to liberate souls. 
So what I didn't understand early on is that I was leaving the corporate world so I could first liberate my own soul, kind of, you know, as, as Joseph Campbell and Yoda both say, right, go, go deep into the cave and start to do the work. And I emerged from that with an understanding of what does that, what does that look like? And so I had a, a dear friend say to me last year, actually maybe even two years ago before I started writing the book, he said, I see you as an impact billionaire. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but it sounds spectacular. Tell me more. <laughs> and he said, he said, I think, I think impact is actually the new currency in the world. And your purpose is now to liberate more souls. And so when he thinks about, you know, the people he wants to surround himself and work with and the clients he, wanna ha- he wants to have, he talks about them as impact bil- billionaires. And he says, you're one of those people. And so it really started to crystallize for me this idea that I want to liberate a billion souls. And when I say liberate souls, I mean go on this exact journey that we're describing, a journey that is a choice to live and lead more authentically, more courageously, more on purpose, to have fulfillment in your life, to rewrite the script of success all of that, and I kind of go through all of those things in the book, and that's the mission I'm on, and I'm very clear that a billion is a really, really big number, and I'm really clear that I can't do that on my own, and so that's why I wrote this book with an eye toward um, wanting, wanting help, wanting to start a movement, and so the book is only the beginning in my mind, like I've been doing the the inner work and setting up my business and kind of starting to plant the seeds for growth over these past three and a half years. And the book now is that calling card. It is that um, rallying cry. It is the beginning of that movement to say, let's liberate our souls and change, you know, change ourselves and the world that we, that we live in. And so I really see that as um, my purpose in this lifetime. I like to call it a living legacy. So, you know, people talk a lot about legacy, but I don't think they talk as much about living a legacy, which means every day that's, you know, part of my soul's compass that's guiding what I choose to do and who and how I show up in this world. Oh, I love that. It's a great term, living your legacy, which is, um, which mm-hmm. is true. It's, you know, it's like we go through life and it's all the ripples as if we were, you know, gliding on a lake and all the ripples that we... Uh, that happened behind us, some of which we will never know, you know, the impacts we right. make. Right. So so are you working with corp- the corporate world now or, or, you know, people from the corporate world that are dealing with their own, you know, kind of uh, – awakening process which often starts as great dissatisfaction (laughs) right right exactly (laughs) it often looks very similar to mine which is why you know it makes sense that I'm kind of a a conduit to this work because I speak both languages um to be honest yes and I like to describe my clients as rebel souls or rebel leaders and it's how I typically talk about myself as well and those rebel leaders or rebel souls can 
um, usually fall in one of three buckets. Maybe they kind of go um, back and forth. Maybe it's more fluid for some. So one is, yes, I have executive clients who are leaders in Fortune 100 organizations. You mentioned that in my bio in the intro. And some of those clients actually aren't feeling what I was feeling in corporate America. Some of them really are quite happy doing what they do in the corporate world. They're asking more questions about how they can do it more authentically, more courageously, how they can make sure their, their work is more aligned with their purpose how they can help to change the cultures within their organization to, you know, feed their soul and, and really be more um, human-centric. So that's one example of, of some clients I have who they really aren't looking to make the radical transition that I made. And that's fine because I love the idea of working with, you know, rebel leaders on the inside who want to create that kind of change. And then right. the second bucket of rebel leaders are rebel leaders who either were in corporate America or were never in corporate America but now run their own companies. So they're, they're entrepreneurs, and they are out in the world to make a difference and make an impact, and they want my help in, you know, in kind of just exponentially growing that impact and in getting more clear on who they are and how they can do that in achieving their greatest possibility. And then the third bucket is um, people who are, you know, rebel souls who are in transition. So they might have already made the decision to either they've got one foot out of corporate America because they know they're ready to go, um, or they're already in transition and they want my help and my coaching in creating, you know, the life they want to live and in doing the deep inner work. I mean, I did a lot of this work on my own. I had a coach when I was at Harley, but when I left and went on sabbatical, I kind of took a treasure trove of personal development self-help books with me, and I just did all of the exercises and all of the deep work. And, and so, um, you know, before I became certified as a professional coach, and now I help people through that process, and I really guide them, and I can help hold their hand while doing, you know, some of that scary work and, and even unraveling the identity, right? Because for me, a big part of my work was how much my identity was caught up in me having these big jobs and these big brands and these big titles. And I didn't realize how much um, my sense of self was tied up in that. And so I help people do that work too. So that's, that's a summary of, you know, my work is all over the place. But if we think about that first bucket, the rebel leaders who are who are still in corporate America and who want to stay in corporate America, at least for the foreseeable future, the really interesting evolution of my work there, I think, is going to be around the soul of business. And that it gets me really excited, this idea that I can help you know, a, a courageous, you know, leadership team and organization who really wants to do the deep work of, you know, what is the soul of this organization? What does that look like? How do we create a culture that serves its people instead of people serving a culture, which is the way it so often is today? So that's a deeper layer of my work that I haven't really gotten into. I think it's just, start, the doors are just starting to open for that. And, um, I mean, it may even be my next book. I'm not sure, but I'm really locked in on, on this concept, and that's why I know something will come of it. 
Well, that really fascinates me because I, I actually have never been in the corporate world, and we have an image, I would say, generalizing, that you know the corporate world is very soulless, right? So it's just based on most mm-hmm. of those values of accumulation, greed, you know, profit, and at all cost. And there are a lot of corporations that prove that to be true. But um, what is, you know, I'm curious to know, Shelley, do you have examples or have you personally experienced a corporation or enough people in a corporation that can alter the culture to make it more soul-aligned? Soul do you Have you seen that or is that just what yeah. your goal is to create well, I, that? Yeah, I would say uh, mostly the latter. You know, I think it's a big part of my goal to create this. What I have seen, and I mention a handful of examples in the book, are um, different um, baby steps in, or baby steps in the right direction at, at a few different companies. So the, one of the examples that I give, and, and to be honest, I really think this, this all starts at the top, right? You know, it's, it's all well and good that, you know, people in, you know, the lower ranks or middle management are feeling this way and starting to, you know, approach their own sabbatical and make really different decisions in their life. But, you know, the change starts at the top in the company, especially when it comes to cultural change. So, for example, you know, leaders like Mark Benioff, who's the CEO of Salesforce.com, I mean, they're a big force in the world, and he himself is a practitioner of mindfulness. And he's done meditation for many, many years and regularly meets with some monks from France, and he had them consult on how to bring more mindfulness into the Salesforce organization. He created meditation rooms in their headquarters out in San Francisco. They have a curriculum around what what um, mindful meetings look like. Um, they, you know, they create space for each other that are, you know, are um, device free. So it, I believe that that is just scratching the tip of the iceberg, I don't believe by any means that that gets to the soul of changing a culture, but I do believe it's like one step towards shifting a culture um, and at least creating that level of awareness. Uh, Mind Valley University does um, has their own version of it. Mind Valley is a is a um, really trying to radically shift how we think about education and, you know, what people really need to learn in the world. And I'm, I'm a big believer, a big follower of, of their work, and I've done many, many, many master classes on Nine Valley. And Vishen Lakiani, who's the founder of Mind Valley, he at his, his um, headquarters, he has said, you know, it basically it's like the principles, he doesn't use these words because he doesn't know about sylvatical yet. <laughs> but he, he, you know, he talks about how do we create wellness for our employees and how do we support the kind of um, soulful choices and so one example that I absolutely love that I talk about in the book is what he calls morning autonomy and morning autonomy is no meetings at Mind Valley start before 11 o'clock in the morning and the reason behind that is 
everybody has the morning before 11 free to do whatever they want to do. It's to have the family time. It's to work on a passion project. It's to, you know, meditate and journal. It's to go to the gym, whatever you want and need that time for. And I just think there's such a beautiful um intent in that like imagine if we had like i i was actually thinking reflecting back to my time at harley and thinking god what if my harley days didn't start until 11 o'clock in the morning and i had that time to care for myself and maybe even run some errands and maybe even get to the dry cleaner while it was still open you know simple things like that or not try to squeeze my spin class in at 5 15 in the morning and I just think I think there are beautiful examples right now, but I don't believe that any one company is doing this on you know with you know on a at scale, right? Or or at the level that I can imagine it being in the future. Yeah. Well, that's encouraging to know that there is that possibility. I mean, I I truly hope we you know you and the people you align with can go in there and be those change facilitators. Uh, it'll, it would be profound. It'd be profound. It'd be profound on so many levels, I think. You know, so. Yeah, I uh, do too. And I think sense. it really takes, yeah, and it takes the commitment of the people on the inside, right? I mean, uh, it, there are companies right now who they're quite fine with, you know, I, I don't know, for example, if this would be something interested that, that um, Harley leadership would be interested in doing. I would absolutely love to go back and work with the CEO and his leadership team. It's the same CEO who was there when I left. I would love to work with him and say, how do we create you know, or even recreate or get back in touch with the soul of Harley-Davidson. And what does that look like from a cultural standpoint where we're really taking care of our people? Um, and, that, I mean, that it gives me goosebumps to think about, honestly, but it, it requires that the leadership within these companies say, yeah, you know what, we believe in that and we want to do this differently. And, you know, there are even some examples of consulting companies like Ernst & Young down in Australia is um, they just implemented 12 weeks of what they call life leave for all employees. And so basically that's like, you know, a mini sabbatical. And, and by the way, sabbatical doesn't have to mean you leave your job. I mean, I should have said this in the beginning that sabbatical in my mind is a way of being right? It doesn't mean you have to leave your job. It's meaning that you're finding yourself, you're creating the life you want to live. You're really getting in touch with and being true to you. Um, so I love, but I love this idea that, wow, give some people time and space to do that and to really get in touch with their passions, their family, like do more of the things that they love to do. So imagine 12 weeks, it's three months of life leave a year that you can use for any purposes. Um, that that concept is, I think that's incredible. Like, what if sabbaticals became, you know, something that more and more companies did and they paid for, right? And they said, no, you know what? We believe this much in our people and their health, and we want to make sure that everybody is rejuvenated and energized and bringing their absolute best, truest self to the work at hand. I think we just we'd live in a very different place. Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah, that's that's well, that's in, encouraging that you know they, these ideas are slowly seeping in. Um, so, Shelley, what what would be some of your words of wisdom to people listening from your journey and what you have learned and what you are passionate about these days to support people to create a life that's more fulfilling and meaningful and purposeful? Yeah, I would. Well, two um Two of my favorite phrases, and phrases kind of even even undermines them, but they came from two of my most profound teachers. Um, one is from Brene Brown, who taught me, you can't be brave and certain at the same time. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And that just get, I, I remind, I literally have that. It's like I should tattoo it on my forearm because I tell myself that every single day because as I'm building my business, as I'm writing my book, as I'm putting it out into the world, as I'm thinking about book number two, all of that, I remind myself every day you can't be brave and certain at the same time. And if you really want to make an impact, choose brave and choose what is true to you and choose what is really going to make a difference. And so that is um, that is advice I carry with me every single day, and influences um, it's influenced my you know the the trail I've been blazing and will continue to be blazing. Um, and the second one, which I think will really resonate with any of your listeners who are still in the corporate world or somehow connected to the corporate world comes from my um, a coach who I still work with to this day named Rich Litvin, and he says you have to slow down in order to speed up. Hmm. And I talk mm-hmm. about that concept in the book as well because one of my biggest lessons in, um, you know, in, my, in my sabbatical journey was just slowing down. And I think we've got like our, our culture absolutely celebrates busyness. And it celebrates speed. And the reality is to do the kind of work we're talking about and to have the impact that most of us want to have, we have to slow down and get in touch with ourselves, right? We have to do the inner work so that we're in conversation with our hearts and minds and understanding what's even going on there. So, you know, Ryan Holiday, his, his latest book, Stillness is the Key, is one of, was one of my favorite reads of 2019. And I really believe like that, you know, that slowing down, that stillness, that checking in with ourselves is so crucial um, to, to really starting to shift the culture and to just stop putting a badge of honor on this busyness. And, and believe me, when I say that, it doesn't come from a place of judgment. It comes from a place of understanding because I was living where one of my favorite phrases was, I'm crazy busy, and I would just push everything away from me because I was stuck on that hamster wheel and the, you know, in the, in the cycle of, of um, you know, in, on, that, on that cycle, the cycle of busy. And so that's what I would really encourage people to do as, as two steps. And, and then I would say the third thing I would say is read this book. If this conversation has been at all intriguing, if it's piqued your interest and you're like, oh, yeah, I kind of I feel that, you know, that, that twinge in my gut. Like I feel like my intuition is trying to tell me something. 
stop and check in. And my book can help you. You'll, you'll, you'll read my story and you'll have moments to pause and reflect on some pretty profound questions. So, you know, it's an interactive guide as much as it is, um, a, you know, a, a manifesto and a, hopefully a start of a movement. <laughs> well, I'm I'm sure you will start a great movement, <laughs> Shelley, with Thank all your you. <laughs> passion and energy. And you know, I I love Thanks. what you quoted earlier from um, Brene Brown, who's so interesting. Uh, I I actually never heard of her before, except listening on uh, NPR on uh, last weekend. She was on, and uh, there was an interview with her on uh on the Sunday show. And anyway, um yeah, so she she you know has just quite an interesting woman. And uh her, oh, you know prof- that's profound, gonna be a fun rabbit thing. hole. Ooh. Go down that rabbit hole. She's absolutely incredible and, and as you mentioned earlier on, I had I had the opportunity to go down to Texas and train with her just in September of 2019. And I've been following her and reading her books and I'm now certified in her dare to lead work, which is, you know, it just kind of meshes meshes perfectly with the work that I do in the corporate world because it's all about creating, you know, braver cultures and, well, braver leaders and more courageous cultures, really. And so it it aligns so beautifully with Soulbatical, but, man, the work she does around shame and vulnerability and all of the things that are, you know, the essential elements of courage um, are powerful, and so I, I I cite her quite often in um, in my own book because she's been such an inspiration on my journey. Yeah, I, you know, and it's wonderful to have those lights that lead us along the way. It's, you know, our life's journey is so fascinating, and the more you travel on your life's journey, you see the um, events and circumstances, and the signposts, and the people that are guiding you to really connect with the real self that spiritual essence of who we are and you can't truly be happy and fulfilled if you are not in touch with it and cultivating it and nurturing it and i think that's that's been your journey and that's what um you're Mm -hmm. wanting to support people with in whatever phase of life they are in but it's it's like you know we we have to understand that there is a greater purpose for being here and if you're not happy and if you're not doing what you love to do and waking up every day with joy and gratitude in your heart you really need to take a look at your life well and ask yourself why yeah and i think a lot of people don't ask themselves why because they're afraid of the answer and as you know from my own story, I mean, as as I was having the nightmare and as I was reali- realizing that I really had to face some difficult questions, I, I was scared. I was completely freaked out by this idea. I'm like, well, wait a second. If If I listen to what my soul tells me and my soul tells me that I have to leave my job, like, do I have to leave my job? And, you know, I was completely, just completely wigged out by all of these concepts. Um, but you know what, that's, that's where the truth is. And that's actually where we find joy and fulfillment. Um, when we have the courage to, you know, sit down very still with ourselves and have those conversations. Um, the other thing I would say that you just, you, you said something about, um, whichever stage of life you're in. I think another message for your listeners is it's never too late. 
I mean, the reality is I left Harley when I was 46 years old after a 26-year career in corporate America. I started my own business at 48. I wrote my book when I was 49, and my book comes out next week, and the following week I turn 50. And so if there's ever a story of it's never too late to really, truly dial in and check in and get in touch with yourself and, and start living um, life from that place, it's really beautiful. Well, it's never too late, absolutely. <laughs> That's just a cultural meme that it's too late. In fact, you just arrived at a place of all this juicy wisdom that you didn't have before. Mm-hmm. You couldn't have written a book about what you've written about, you know? And um yeah, You're age is exactly irrelevant. Right. right. Age is irrelevant. So, um yeah, so it's, I uh, believe it's that. A, well, I believe <laughs> Not that. I don't, does. I don't I'd like to yeah. I mean, I I don't, you know, I I, I teach a lot about rejuvenation and my, you know, when I lecture, you have to go through all the means of our culture that tell us we're too old, it's too late, it's, you know, it's passed us by, whatever, whatever that thought is to begin to claim the real uh, possibilities that we have. And we need to really dismiss all those limiting thoughts, but you have to first recognize them because some of them are so yes. deeply implanted in our culture that uh, you know we think it's true. And then learning how to get younger and healthier and more creative, and you know, just all these possibilities open up as you journey through your life cycles, right? But um, so yeah, you know, it's so it, true. It, it, and I have a, I have a. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you go. You go. I'm finished. <laughs> that just, thought. Something, something that you, yeah, something that you just said sparked um, another thought in my mind. One of the things that I wrote about in the reflection sections of the book that I'm hoping will be useful to people is as you start to, you know, have that dialogue and that relationship and that conversation with your soul, when that when that gets scary, I kind of have what I call the soul process. And soul is an acronym for um, show up, for own it, for unleash it, and live it. So those four things. And it's a way to say, okay, I've got this insight. I've got this belief. I've Or, or I've worked through these limiting beliefs. And I know I, I want my new truth to be right so with that new truth i just say show up like stop hiding start playing big and start playing into that truth own it meaning believe it right so the more you believe it the more it becomes reality and we can start to undo the damage of those you know even some of our own language we use to hold ourselves back and then unleashing it is putting your intentions out into the world and starting to take action against those intentions and live it is absolutely live it before you're ready. Start taking baby steps, right? That's where the action piece comes in. Take, you know, little micro steps against what is that intention? What is that new belief? So that you're showing up in the world that way. And that's what starts to, you know, open the next door or deliver the next swing, you know, to go back to the trapeze artist metaphor. Um, and that's where, yeah, that's again where the, the magic starts to happen. So that might be a fun little um, framework for people to to play around with as well. And it's also a great way to 
bring this conversation to a close, which has been so wonderful. I love your energy, Shelley. You can feel all that passion and dynamism inside you and being unleashed oh, out you. into the world. It so. is. It is. Look out, world. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, people need to go check out Soulbatical, and I will tell you it's Soul with two B's for Batical, soulbatical.com. You can learn more about Shelley Paxton and her book and the work she's doing. So it's soulbatical.com, and she's got um, Twitter and Facebook. So soulbatical is where you want to go and uh, find out more about what she's doing. So thank you so much for great work you're doing, Shelley, and for sharing your journey oh, with us thank you. Today. Amazing and, uh, conversation, and I will and I will just add to that. The place I'm most active is on Instagram, so at Soulbatical again with two Bs. Um, at Soulbatical, my website are probably the two greatest places to get more info on what I'm doing and what I'm up to. Okay, and we got to go. We got to get out of here. So I want to say goodbye to everybody, and remember, fill your week with love, peace, and harmony. Bye for now. <laughs>